Now, welcome to another inspiring edition of Sound Insight with Dr. Tom Curran. Good morning. Welcome to Sound Insight. This is Tom Curran. It's great to be with you today. Lots to cover. Hey, in the second part of our program, in the second segment, I have on Camille Pauly. She is the founder and the president of Healing the Culture, an organization that she uh, began with Father Robert Spitzer. And she's going to be on the second segment. The first segment, I'm going to bring you up to, to date on a few, well, a few happenings in my own life that hopefully will be an encouragement to you. Uh, to reflect on just the gift of our Catholic faith. And then we'll have her on, and then back to more Sound Insight. Hey, this is Dr. Tom Curran, the host of Sound Insight, but also a realtor serving wonderful folks like you in the state of Washington and in Idaho. I've had the privilege and pleasure of helping dozens of families in the last two and a half years discern and find a, a strategy, a path, and a plan to help their families find a whole new life in eastern Washington and northern Idaho. If I could be of service to you in that, I would love to. Please reach out, drtomcurran.com, drtomcurran.com. Hey, welcome back to the program. Let's pray. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Lord our God, I thank you and praise you for loving us so much that you have conquered sin and death. Lord, that you promise us the gift of resurrection, that you've already shown us the reality of resurrection by your victory over death, and, and that, Lord, we get to share in that. Give us the grace to realize that, to live in the reality that we are children of God and that we get to a foretaste of, of the life that is to come. Thank you, Lord, for that. We do love you, Jesus. And we make this prayer in Jesus' holy name. Amen. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. So I'm going to talk about life and death and resurrection and what's at stake in our lives and how do we live well. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> That's a lot to cover. <clears throat> I'm gonna. I'll call. I'll launch into it. Uh, it's all because of uh, some happenings. Uh, first of all, uh, on Friday night, I went to a volleyball game between Court of Christ uh, Classical Catholic Academy. It's a classic academy in the Catholic tradition. It's based in Coeur d'Alene. They were playing against the Oaks Classical Christian Academy, and then from there, I went over to. A pint, pint pipes, or pint pipes, pints, and the cross, or pints pipes and the cross, <laughs> it was an event for the Chesterton Academy of Notre Dame, a classical Christian school, and uh, and then this all happened after being away for three days at a conference in Utah, a place called Park City. I'd never heard of Park City, Utah. And I've got some stories to share from my time there in Park City. Very interesting, because I was, was at a conference for folks who have a focus on luxury real estate. And so I happened to be with some very, very successful real estate agents that serve, uh, serve a high net worth individuals. They serve folks who are buying and selling homes that uh, cost millions of dollars, many millions of dollars at times. And it was so interesting interacting with these folks, especially with the background that I have. 
right? In in theology and church ministry, and I love Jesus, that kind of guy. So I've got stories to share from that. The sum of it, though, the where all of this plays a part in your life and in my life. Oh, there's one more too. It was a Sunday. On Sunday, we had a check-in meeting with my kiddos that are outside the house. Um, Carrie uh, and I maybe mentioned that um, we, we we're, uh, we've done it once before. We're trying to do it every week or every couple weeks, where we just get a chance on Zoom to be able to see each other. And in this instance, it was tell an interesting story. Tell a story from your week where you gained an insight where something significant happened and let's like let's make it meaningful to each other let's make it interesting and not just like reporting in you know how was your week and i bring that up because my oldest daughter mary grace in in telling her story she talked about having an interaction with a fellow who talked about um not being afraid of death at all that he was just super excited about being alive and had no fear of death. And, and and Mary Grace was trying to figure out, it just didn't seem right. He didn't seem to have the right attitude towards death. And it's not that uh, there's a sense of, I'm afraid of death, but death still has a sting. There's still a sting of death. And that the the gift of the resurrection is not just a future, a purely future reality. Did you hear that? This is an extremely important point, and it's something that we don't really think about much, and that is, how does Christ's resurrection impact your life today? How do you, think about this now, how do you, in your day-to-day existence, have some kind of evidence inside yourself, inside your own lived experience of life, is there any sign, any evidence that Jesus Christ has risen from the dead? Think about that. Is that an interesting question? And the answer is you do. Here's the theological answer to that. The theological answer says that when Jesus suffered and died, he descended into hell. He underwent our death. Yes, he died, but he didn't die as a result of his own failure to honor God, his own sin. But rather, he took upon himself, we know this, our sins and the consequences of our sins. So much so that he became identified with sin. And as a result, he underwent not only the penalty of sin, which is death, but also that descent into hell, that separation from God. But then on the third day, he rose again because he was the pure, innocent son of God. And so he was raised from the dead by the Father, and in doing so, he overcame sin and its consequences, not only in himself, but really for us. That's what redemption is. And in elevating and in becoming uh, in going beyond death and in, in, in being raised to this life again, he also gave us an opportunity to follow that path. That's the path that we get to walk in life. The path that we get to walk is that through baptism, we become participants. We 
become uh, partakers. We become immersed in the reality of Jesus Christ's passion and death, and yes, in his resurrection. And in doing so, we become elevated beyond the status of creatures that are fallen and doomed to die. And we become elevated to the reality that we're children of God, sons and daughters of God. And we have signs of it. We have manifestations. We have taste. We can taste the evidence of it, that we are children of God. On the one hand, the most profound evidence is that his Holy Spirit lives in our hearts and cries out, Abba, Father, Daddy. We have that sense that we are children of God. That's the most profound evidence. But it also radiates from us. It should also be tangibly experienced by us. What, what, what is it? What are the signals, the signs, the features of this tangible reality that we share in sonship? We share in the daughterhood of God, elevated to that status, that, that status of sharing in divine life. It's joy, it's peace, it's freedom. It's this sense of a hope in a vision for the future. We sense God. We sense communion with God. We experience the reality of holiness. We sense the reality that there's something beyond this world. There is one beyond this world who beckons out to us, who created us and elevated us, the Father. Are you tracking with me? So this, these aren't just theological ideas. This ought to be our life. My brothers and sisters, we get a share in joy, in peace, in reconciliation, in communion. These, uh, communion, union with. Things feel right. Things feel, they, they feel complete. And, and that, that is, that, that's our inheritance. That's your inheritance. Now, Let's go from that reality, the reality that we are, we've, we've received this inheritance, and we ought to pray for that. If you don't know joy and peace, if you don't know a sense of freedom in front of the challenges that this world throws in front of you, turn to the Father. Ask the Holy Spirit to stir in you the words, the prayers, so that you could come to experience this peace, this joy, this freedom, this sense of life, life that conquers death. Pray for that. That is, the Lord means for you to know that, but also to witness to it, because so many others don't know this. They don't have this sense in their lives, this sense of life beyond death, this life through death. And so, circling all the way back around, to what Mary Grace, my daughter, was asking about in our group meeting on Sunday over Zoom was, Dad, I, I can't figure out what's off about what this guy is saying when he talks about the, the reality of death as if somehow there wasn't a sting connected to it. And this is, I brought her this little bit of theology that I just shared with you. And then I said, however, when we share in that, we also share in the path of the passion. We are to walk with the Lord through his passion, in his agony, carrying the cross, all of the, the elements of his passion, and including his death on the cross. We are to share in that suffering so that we can go through death and come to that new life. And, and that's part of the, the state of being, the status that is ours as well. And so 
it, it's not as if we're not going to suffer. It's not as if we're not going to experience the cross. But we're going to do so knowing the outcome, knowing that the Lord has won the victory. And that victory will eventually come to be brought to bear in my life too. Okay, now, with that as the backdrop, with that as the background, how does that impact how we live and make decisions day to day? What ought that to do with how we spend our time and our life energy, our focus, our attention day to day? Well, what that means is, is we ought to be living in the light of heaven what we're doing today. That if we recognize that that's our future, that's ultimately our future, that, that when we think about how we're going to live today, the best way to do that, the way to help us live well today, involves us thinking about where all of this is headed. Are you tracking with me? If I realize that one day I'll face God, one day I'll, I have a hope for heaven to be with the Lord forever, then what ought that to do with what I make a priority today? Are you, are you getting this? Like, live well today in the light of the ultimate outcome of your life. Do you guys think about this? I think about this all the time. I think about, Lord, I don't want to waste my life. Lord, I don't want to waste my life. In fact, I came back from this conference and I, I wrote a, a little prayerful reflection. Where is it? Where is that prayerful reflection? <laughs> it's in my brown book somewhere here. And it was basically, I was just like just saying a little prayer to the Lord. Like, Lord... Here it is. I'll read it. I'll read it from my, what did I actually write in here before I read from my journal? Here's what I said. Lord, what would you have me do? Lord, what are you asking of me right now? What do you want from me? Will for me right now? Father, you have shocking generosity to pour into my life, to bring to me, to open before me. How do I receive what you are ready and waiting to give? Father, Abba, Daddy, I need you desperately. From a place of relative abundance, I am in desperate need. Lord Jesus, I do not want to squander my time and life energy on things that are a diversion distraction, or dispersion. I do not want to waste today or the time that remains. Holy Spirit, I love you. Please lead me, anoint me, be unleashed in me in new ways. Lord, I am my own worst enemy. I can convince myself of whatever path I want to make sense. My visionary capacity and giftings open up horizons that make perfect sense and are experienced imaginatively as easy to accomplish when they are complicated, expensive, and yield far less than imagined. 
And then I stopped. <laughs> but did you get the prayer? Right? That was my that was my authentic prayer just coming from this past week. And there were a lot of things that happened this past week. One of them, my uh, my producer, Amy, her sister, a young woman, died after a battle with cancer. She died just a, a few days ago. And just pray for the repose of her soul. Pray for peace and comfort for her family. Uh, and, and she passed peacefully from what Amy told me. Uh, I have my dad that is in hospice at home and continues to hang on. And so these ultimate realities strike home. It makes me realize in a very poignant way that every day is a gift. And, and don't take even a day for granted. But it also raises the bar around wanting to live well, right? Lord, what do you want me to do? What do you want me to do? I don't want to waste the precious days in life that I've been given. Uh, who, no one wants to squander the gift of their lives. But then it's a matter of how do we get direction? Where do we get direction? Are we willing to follow that direction? And maybe that's the biggest one, right? Where do we get direction? How do we get direction? And are we willing to actually take direction? These, these are good questions. I'm going to dig into these, but before I do, I'm going to, we're going to come to a break. And then after the break, I'm going to have on Camille Pauly from Healing the Culture. Uh, you'll, you'll hear throughout the week uh, the, their mention of their upcoming gala. That's this Saturday at 5 o'clock in Post Falls, uh, Idaho, for Healing the Culture. And so I'm going to jump to her interview because you're going to hear how this woman is living her life marked by that desire to bring the gospel of life into America to help foster a culture of life and a culture in the midst of which needs tremendous healing. So we'll take a break. When we come back, we'll move to the interview with Camille Pauly. And then I'm going to come back and I'll pick up those questions where I left off. Lord, where do we get to, where do we get to guidance? How do we get to guidance? And then are we willing to follow that guidance? And I'm going to give you some concrete examples from my trip to Utah, where I was hanging around with some very successful real estate agents. Back in a minute. Hi, this is Dr. Tom Curran, and you know me as the host of Sound Insight. I am also letting folks know that as a realtor licensed in the state of Washington and in Idaho, I love serving Catholic families and others who are discerning a move for yourselves. It's much more than buying or selling a home. It's discerning a whole new life. If that's something that you would find uh, a help in, if I could be of service to you, please be in touch. You can find out more at drtomcurran.com, drtomcurran.com. Hey, welcome back to the program. This is Tom Curran. It's great to be with you today. All right, we're going to move to this interview with Camille Pauly from Healing the Culture. That's healingtheculture.org. And then I'll come back after that, and we're going to pick up on this theme of recognizing really what's at stake in our lives, okay? And how to live well today. Back after the interview with Camille Pauly. Well, and welcome to the program, Camille Pauly. Camille, how are you? Hey, Tom, I'm happy to be here with you, and I'm loving Seattle right now. I'm in Seattle at the moment. 
You know what? It's so funny. Uh, before we just started this, you said that I love the rain. And I was like, who are you? Who loves, <laughs> who loves all this rain? And then you said oh. something that I never really thought of. Yeah. I don't know how, how could I have lived there for 20 years and not thought of the idea that somehow rain is not only a metaphor for, but an actual experience of cleansing, of washing. Yeah, it is. It always feels so clean here. It keeps the dust down. You know, South Dakota is a wonderful place to live, but there are spots where it's really dusty and the rain just washes about all of that away. It makes you feel good and clean. So I've always thought of Seattle as the clean city. <laughs> well, I, I think that's so beautiful. Uh, you know, uh, folks that are familiar with you and so many folks that are listening uh, to this interview or even watching this this uh, video version of it know about the work of healing the culture. Mm-hmm. And, and I think in one ways that that meta, the metaphor of cleansing, that one of the ways that our culture gets healed is that it needs to be cleansed. It needs to have, have stuff washed away that are clogging up the system. Uh, is that an apt metaphor? Mm, I like that metaphor, Tom. It's good and it's true. So talk about the way in which, like, when we think about healing, I think about healing associated with the body. Maybe people uh, have healing associated with relationships. Um, what does it mean to have a culture that actually needs to be healed? Our culture is really broken. It's broken in the way it sees the world and it's broken in the way it teaches the world to young people and old people too. So our, we need healing and cleansing in the way we view meaning in life. And that's the bottom line that when people misunderstand happiness and what's going to give them meaning and purpose, they're going to have really unhealthy, dirty, if you will, in need of cleansing uh, definitions of success, that success is just getting ahead of everybody else. That quality of life is just having a bunch of stuff for myself to physically enjoy that love is admiring me um, you know, and affirming me and in, in all of my whims and desires that suffering is meaningless and worthless unless it gets me ahead. That freedom is having all my options before me all the time. I mean, there's just all these mistaken, shallow, narrow, um, you know, incomplete, dirty definitions of what those words mean. And we need to cleanse and elevate them so people can live lives that are truly worthy of them. And the thing is, Tom, when we do that, not only are people happier, Not only do they see God in a new way, instead of seeing him with fear, they see him with excitement and zeal and joy, but they become pro-life. It's just a natural thing that when people truly understand what happiness is and what love is and what freedom means, they become pro-life. And that's what we do at Healing the Culture. We heal the culture and and help forge a pro-life culture by changing all those definitions and cleansing the negative, you know, wrong, mistaken notions that our contemporary culture plants in people's heads. You know, Camille, uh, this is this is like very this is like relevant on the spot for me right now. I'm trying to discern, right? Like, God, how am I supposed to spend my time? Like a lot of folks listening are trying to figure out what am I supposed to do with the one life God has given me? And I keep coming back around to if I'm going to make a decision about how to live here now and today well in a way that will lead me to flourish, I better have a clear sense of the reality of heaven and of God. Yes. Yes. And and that kind of changes it, it, it talk about cleansing the perspective that that transcendent, you know, that that there's a Father Spitzer word that I know you'll appreciate right. that Love the transcendent it. dimension shines a light on the today, the t- today realities of, of life. And it, it's not always easy for folks to have both of those realities in mind. It's not. So many people are focused on only the material and we are material beings. It's an important part of who we are, right? Human beings are, have a transcendent nature and a physical nature. 
And that's the mystery of being human. So we don't want to negate or ignore or, you know, in any way, you know, smash that physical nature. It's important. It's important to God. It's important to us as humans. But we focus on it as if it's the most important and it isn't. And when you ignore the transcendent part of the human person, that's when despair happens. Dogs don't despair because they're only physical. Humans despair when they act as if they're only physical. And it's super important in the pro-life movement that we give people a sense of the transcendent again. When you don't, what our culture does is that they have a mistaken notion of compassion because they don't understand suffering. They think it's just a physical thing and just smashes you and destroys you. They don't see the redemptive value in suffering and they come up with so-called solutions to suffering that are beneath our transcendent dignity, like help somebody kill himself, help a her become a he, you know, help people, you know, have contraception so that they can, you know, do whatever they want without repercussions or consequences. And those just destroy the human soul because it's not living in the image of God. So I I think it's really important, especially for pro-life Christians to connect to our duty and responsibility to elevate the transcendent part of the human nature. Without doing that, you're not going to get a pro-life culture and you're not going to elevate the human person. Okay, guys, if you just listened or saw what Camille just did, she just did something amazing. All right. That was just like a, that was more than a home run right there. I did, I, she doesn't know the questions I'm going to talk to her about. And I threw up this dimension, the transcendent dimension, and she just covered, let's see, the uh, contraception, the transgender <laughs> movement, abortion, uh, 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 same uh, physician assisted suicide. Assisted suicide, yeah. It just, flowed out of her with this ease and just like, Tom, that's all you got for me. Watch this. Boom. (laughs) And no, you just beautifully took like what we just call the gospel of life, right? The teaching of the church as it applies to life issues. And um, what you're witnessing is someone who is a a herald of the church's teaching as it applies and, and as it can actually take root in our culture today. So Camille, you've been doing this great work of healing the culture, of, of advancing the, the many initiatives of healing the culture for, I don't know, it's been a lot of years, Camille. 30 years. Can you believe that? that? I'll oh, admit it. This is kind of crazy. This is crazy. <laughs> and I, yeah, we've, we've talked about our, like when we first met and all that, it, like about you were just 25 years ago. It was a long right? time ago. It was a long time ago, Camille. We're both, I'm old. You're, you somehow, you maintained a, a youthfulness about you, but be that as it may. <laughs> Um, as you're taking a look at the right now moment of the challenges we're facing, it feels like we're seeing signs that are like victory, signs of advance, but we're also seeing disturbing signs that yeah. the culture of darkness or death is also advancing. Give yeah. me your take on where you see the the culture being healed. It's moving forward. Well, you're seeing progress yeah. in healing yeah. the culture. So, so you're seeing a battle. Yeah, so I'll, I'll start with the battle. The, the negative side of this is that it's the natural conclusion of where we started when we started tinkering with life as if we were God. And it's got to go this way. There's no way that you can get out of the conclusion that human beings are just material. We can define our own image. We can be what we want. And then we negate our own humanity. That's exactly what's happening now. We don't even have any gender pretty soon. We don't even have any human beingness. And now you can be an animal. You can be a building. You can be whatever you want. Um, which ends up being a contradiction, you know, to, to, if you could be anything, then you really can't be anything at all. So, so, you know, that's the, that's the negative side. And there's another negative battle that we're fighting as Christians too, Tom, which is going to ruffle feathers, but we need to say this. We Christians tend to think of our enemies as, as only our enemies. And, and they're not really our enemies. They are victims of the enemy. 
And we see them as our enemy and we despise them. They disgust us. We get angry at them. We hate them. We're afraid of them. What happens when we do that is we lose heaven because we're abandoning our role as hopeful disciples. We're supposed to be praying for them, loving them, and realizing that our enemies are only acting exactly as we act when we don't follow the light. We're no different. But if we see them with compassion the way Christ sees them, that they are just like us, made in his image, then we act more like Christians and and less like enemies. So I I think Christians have to get it out of our heads that these people are monsters. They are not monsters. They are just like me when I don't follow the light. And then we see them with compassion and love and realize they need what I have. And then it lights a zeal and a fire under you that this is not just about the baby who is dying. This is about the souls that are dying. The positive side to all of this, and this may sound like a contradiction, is that there's so much negativity um, that that people, um, there's just, there's so much negative happening that people lack any footing at all. There's like no concrete under their feet. So when they see the church, the church has concrete. And they may be told to spew out venom towards the church right now by whoever it is that they're listening to in popular media. But in the backs of their minds, they're going, these people stand for something. And in history, whenever you've seen cultures plunge down into darkness, into satanic darkness, it's always the footing of Christians that people see and then they begin to convert and then they see the and they see the strength and the witness and the courage of Christians and that's when conversions happen and we're seeing that happen in schools and colleges you know you don't hear a lot about it in the media because the media won't talk about it but those conversions are happening that's so beautiful Camille it's like uh you, there's there's that phrase it 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 has a depth to it ideas have consequences but they i do. think that in our modern world ideas are are thought of in a, like a purely formal sense it's just one idea that happens to be yours versus mine versus what you said no it's concrete it's no it's the truth that will set you free that's yes. that's the ultimate power of consequence of of ideas having consequences is that when it's the yes. idea that is the word of God, Jesus yes. Christ, he's going to set us free. Talk about that. You're so right. I've, I've heard marketing firms on our side tell me that our issue is dying, that the pro-life issue is dying, that since Dobbs, nobody cares about it anymore. They care more. They're, all these other issues about sexuality and gender and transitioning are so big right now. And the animalistic thing where you can become an animal if you want. It's so big right now that the pro-life issue has taken a side seat. I'll tell you something. We have a series on YouTube called Truth in 90 Seconds. Just in the last six months, we've had 460,000 views of those videos. And that's not from pro-lifers. That's, you know, we're circulating these among the audiences that need to hear it the most. That's not a dying issue. There are people who want to hear this, who want to engage in this battle, who maybe have venom in their mouth right now. But the fact is that they want to talk about it because they know that something's up. And that is good news. We have 11,000 subscribers to our children's program on pro-life. That's significant. Half of them are teachers. So, I mean, this is not a dying issue. If anything, I think the pro-abortion movement is dying and they know it, which is why they're so venomous right now. So, you know, pro-lifers should not be scared off by this lie that, you know, our issue is going away. Nobody cares anymore. It's not true. I love that. That's Camille Pauly talking with me today from Healing the Culture. And uh, your work is now spread all over the country. It it has a footprint that reaches around the world. Uh, I, I, I am strongly supportive that, the pro-life movement has many different forms and facets. And I've shared this with you, I don't know how many times over how many years. Um, healing the culture does play a very distinct role because you're taking on the intellectual uh, forms that are propaganda, that are lies, and you're countering that with a truth that is also 
good and beautiful that leads to human flourishing and leads to an ordered life that that brings life. And I think that that is a critical dimension that maybe sometimes is harder for folks to get a hold of. So talk a bit about, um, like, give us the story of young people, because uh, I know that you you typically have these wonderful testimonies of these young people who are like, oh, my goodness, right? So let me hear an yeah, oh, my goodness yeah. story. We, we have a teacher, we, we get testimonies from teachers all the time around the country from, you know, kindergarten teachers and high school teachers. And, and uh, one teacher, Carol Cooper is her name, and she shared with us a story that she's been using our drama. We have, we wrote a, a play called Robert and Emma, which incorporates all this pro-life philosophy into a, a four-act play. She's been using it for six years. And she says, she said, I had no idea you have a whole curriculum. I thought you just had a play. So she'd been using it for six years. And she says, at the end of every class, these kids are applauding, right? And this is a story of innocence and, and challenged by, you know, a lack of virtue, challenged by, you know, everything going on in the culture. And it brings an abortion and euthanasia, assisted suicide. All these issues are, are involved in it. And these kids at the end see beauty and they recognize beauty. It's one thing to tell the truth, right? To give true statistics and true facts about abortion. But if you don't couch it in goodness and beauty, then people sense that you don't care. And there's that old saying, people don't care what you know until they know that you care. And that's kind of what we do as we couch all in the sense of the beauty of true happiness and dignity. So she says at the end of it, these kids are applauding, they're crying. I'm like, really? Over a pro-life play? How goofy can that be? But it's awesome. And it's true because people are, they, they get appealed by what is beautiful. Um, so I think that, that the more pro-lifers start to recognize the beauty in our message and not just the negativity of being against abortion, the more we're really evangelizing. You can't evangelize people with negative statistics and ugly pictures. You evangelize them with the beauty of the truth. The ugly pictures are important. Don't get me wrong. My husband became pro-life activist because of seeing ugly pictures when he was 12. But it was the beauty of our faith and our movement that motivated him the most to stick with it through the years. That's so beautiful. Camille Pauly's work, Healing the Culture, you can find it online at healingtheculture.org, healingtheculture.org. Our time with uh, Camille is up, but I'm going to tell you folks about the upcoming gala that's happening this weekend in Post Falls, Idaho, and I hope that you'll be able to make that. Camille, what happens? I, I know I can talk about it, but you tell me why it's a, why it's a beautiful thing to get together uh, at one of these galas. Well, for one thing, it's a wonderful date night for you and your husband or your wife or your teenage kids to come. And secondly, you, you're with all kinds of like-minded people who believe what you believe. Third, you're supporting a pro-life cause that very much needs your support. Fourth, we're going to have the talents of Yvette Kraft, who is a virtuoso violinist from San Diego, coming to play her talents, which is wonderful. But I think fifth, you get to see some sneak peeks of what we're doing. We have a new program that we're developing. It's a new video series called Forbidden Discussions. It's aimed at Generation Z, so young 18, 19-year-olds. It's all done online between a debate between a young man and a young woman on the abortion issues, and they take both sides. So between episodes, they'll switch. She's pro-life and she's pro-choice. He's pro-life, he's pro-choice. And it's really dynamic, and you get to see some sneak peeks of what we're doing and what your funds are supporting to make the kind of difference that we're making. So, I mean, it's it, realize this is a generation where the Gen Z, where 20% of them identify as LGBTQ or LGTBQ because uh, they're so lost, but there's a way to reach them. And these videos really have knocked the socks off of our beta audiences. So people get to see that. And I think it's inspiring to them. Well, Camille, I love that you guys are always coming up with like 
okay, let's put our finger on the pulse of things. We don't just do the same thing over and over. Let's find new ways, creative ways to bring our message to bear on the issues of the day. So thanks for being willing to be on the front line like that and really press forward to bring about the authentic healing our culture needs, which is Jesus Christ and the truth that the the faith, the Catholic faith brings to the world. So thank you, Camille, for your commitment. And again, healingtheculture.org to find out more about these programs and to sign up for the upcoming gala. Thanks, Tom, so much. God bless you. It's this Saturday at 5 p.m. And uh, it's in Post Falls, Idaho. Again, healingtheculture.org to get tickets. Hey, welcome back to the program. This is Tom Curran. If you're enjoying these programs, please do me a favor. Go to mycatholicfaith.org. There you can get access not only to all of the programs of Sound Insight. But you can also uh, sign up for the podcast version of this program, which you can uh, get on Apple Podcasts, on Spotify, on uh, other platforms that you know stream uh, radio programs or as podcasts. And spread the word. Tell your friends. I'd love to be able to um, get the word out and how these messages, if they're impactful to you, you know, like uh, like them, subscribe to the to the podcast, leave a comment, uh, rate the podcast so that uh, Apple and these other platforms will say, hey, the people are liking this and this will help get the word out. You can play your part in helping get the word out. <laughs> so, all right. So let's come back to the theme of the uh, the program, which was living well today means recognizing that today will be lived in its heroic and highest best when we live in the light of where we're headed, in the light of our forever. And that's not, it's, we can think of that as kind of morbid, but it's actually very life-giving to realize that we can be in the midst of hard times, difficult times, times that just make you feel like, gosh, you know, where is everything headed? And, and say, you know what, God's in control. The Lord's in charge, and he is not going to let us uh, fall in, in a way that we'll never get up. No, the Lord is in charge. And so it does mean, however, that we have to be paying attention to what's showing up and take action. So let me give you a concrete example. I was in Park City, Utah. Never been there, but come to find out, lots of other people have heard of it. A beautiful uh, a beautiful like village, village, a beautiful town that has some amazing uh, skiing and very quaint uh, and like a destination location for some wonderful vacations. So I stayed in the most beautiful hotel I'd ever been in. Really unbelievable. My hotel room had a fireplace, <laughs> not a gas fireplace, a wood burning fireplace. Yeah, not, not like a wood-burning stove, an actual wood fireplace in my bedroom. And yes, they came and lit a fire in my bedroom fireplace. <laughs> and, and on my balcony, I had my own private big hot tub. Yes, indeed. Overlooking beautiful, beautiful uh, mountain views. Carrie, let's just say Carrie missed out on that trip. I told her she should come. I had no idea it was in a a lodge like this one was. Anyways, so this was for real estate work. And as you know, if folks, if you've been following my journey, one of the things that I do is I, I've made myself available to help 
folks who are discerning buying and selling homes how to do that. And, and that's, that's taken the place of the consulting and coaching work that I've done. So for 25 years, helping consult with CEOs and senior executives and, and helping them to discern how to take action, come to find out, you know what, it's the same kind of uh, skill set that is needed for uh, families that are attempting to discern how to buy or sell their house wisely and well. And so now it's almost been two years since I've been doing this, and I love it. I love being able to walk with families. And so just a little word out there, if, if you know someone who is discerning a move or is making a decision to move, and they're trying to figure that out, they're trying to navigate that, I would love to be of help to them. Even if I'm not near them geographically, I could still be of service to them. I can use Zoom and other, obviously the phone and Zoom to be able to help them to kind of get clear about, okay, if we should sell, when should we do it? Why should we do it? Where should we go? Helping them figure out what agent to work with, a a real estate agent. Love to be able to be of service to you. And you can reach out to me at drtomcurran.com. And so if you go to drtomcurran.com, you can just, there's a way to get in contact with me. I would love to be able to serve you or your friends. So in order to improve and grow in this area, I went to this conference. And this conference does focus on what's called luxury real estate. And at that event, I was able to uh, uh, network with and get to meet and connect with uh, some very successful real estate agents from major cities around the country, right? So New York and Boston, Miami, Denver, Vail, uh, from Park City itself, Beverly Hills, uh, the uh, Napa Valley. And these, I got to tell you, sharp. These people were sharp, very insightful, uh, obviously very successful, hardworking. They had used their gifts and abilities and had become very successful in the eyes of the world. Well, in I come. <laughs> in I come. And I started interacting with these folks. Uh, I, I had a chance to meet a lot of these folks. Uh, I facilitated uh, a lunch conversation a couple of times, uh, officially for the event itself, and had a great time doing it. Well, when I start interacting with these, with these folks that are very successful in visible, measurable ways, where do I hope the conversation goes? Where do I nudge the conversation? Where do I drop in a seed and see if it goes? Well, to the ultimate things. Because what shows up in these conversations is, well, why are you doing what you're doing? Why are you working as hard as you're working? What is this all about? What is this all about for you? And, and you know, it's a very tempting thing to use your gifts and abilities your determination and your connections and your energy and your resources to become successful in the eyes of the world. And I'm not saying that's a bad thing, but if it's the principal thing or the only thing that is happening in our lives, then that's a very sad thing. Because in the end, the things of this world, wealth and fame and power, Uh, experiences, like having stuff and being able to go to really cool places. In the end, what do those things end up meaning? Well, they don't mean a lot if they're only goods that are pursued for their own sake. But if the Lord has given 
these folks the ability to be successful in these things, but they can see it in the light of a higher call, a higher goal, a goal that involves God, then all of a sudden, everything can change. And so, what did I do? I looked for opportunities to raise that higher perspective, that deeper perspective, the eternal perspective, the perspective that involved God. Well, what happened as a result? I'm going to tell you, I've got a few stories to share, and I'll do so after this break on Sound Insight. You're going to love these stories. Hey, welcome back to Sound Insight. This is Tom Curran. Okay, so here we go. So here I am. I'm at this conference, and I show up, and I start meeting with these folks. I'm a, you know, I can be a pretty friendly guy, and so here I am visiting, and I look for connections. Well, one of the things that becomes an easy entry point for me is that my name tag does have on it that I'm Dr. Tom Curran, Dr. Tom Curran. And so it becomes an easy entree for folks to ask, oh, what kind of doctor are you? And it, it's, it's, it's actually kind of humorous uh, when you see the response, because people tend to think medical doctor at first, and then when they hear theologian, I then will say, well, yeah, I, I can talk about God. Do you want to talk? <laughs> and what's so interesting is how many times these folks, very successful, very mature in their capabilities, very, let's say, suave, uh, all of a sudden when it comes to God, they're just human beings. They're just like us. And oftentimes there is a place of pain a place of challenge, a place of difficulty that's part of their lives right now. And so, for instance, this one fellow I was talking to, a multimillionaire, he owns like 20-something brokerages, right? So you think of a real estate agency. Well, he owns something like 20 or 30 of these agencies that all have a bunch of real estate agents in them, all working in the luxury real estate space. And, you know, for me, he's just a guy, right? He's a guy who's very accomplished, but he's just a guy. So I start talking to him and find out the guy, he, he's Catholic. Oh, wait a minute. He's not actually Catholic. His wife is Catholic. They've got a bunch of kids that are Catholic that he helped bring up Catholic. He goes to Mass with his family on Sundays, but he's not Catholic. Well, let's just say we had a really interesting conversation. See, why don't you become Catholic? <laughs> what's, what's holding you back? Well, why would I bother? Well, let me tell you. And it opened up a conversation. Well, come to find out, I knew a priest near where he lived. So what did I do? Later that day, got on the phone, called him up, said, hey, can I give you a cell phone number? I want to connect you with this guy. And he said, absolutely. So I'm connecting him with a priest with the idea that he can privately become a member of the Catholic Church and then enter into full communion with his wife as a Catholic. I love that. That for me was so exciting. Another woman, uh, another person, this is a woman, uh, talking with her, she is incredibly successful as a real estate agent. Uh, last year, when, when I 
uh, I, I was involved in a lot of transactions and, and, and they'll count like what's the total amount of revenue, what's called that, that you generated through your, your buying and helping people buy and sell homes. This woman had almost 10 times the amount of revenue that I had last year. And I, like really top of the top in, uh, in Vail, Colorado, right? So I'm thinking, wow, well, what did I find out? Talking with her, listening to her. She was really struggling because she's overwhelmed with how busy she is. She doesn't know how to break free. Well, I start coaching her right there. Right there during the event, just start coaching her on, like, how do you get out of a crazy, busy schedule? Well, come to find out, she's Catholic. No, 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 not Catholic. She calls herself a bad Catholic. But she will, uh, she has her St. Joseph statue. She prays uh, her Hail Marys. And we got into this really neat conversation about her faith and how she struggles to understand how God can communicate to her, but she definitely wants to honor God and be led by God in how she lives her life. How beautiful is that? These two women from uh, from the Dominican Republic and Costa Rica were there, representing, again, luxury real estate agencies from Central America. They're there. And I start talking to them. And again, they find out the theology and sure enough, both were Catholic. Well, no, they were both brought up Catholic. And they were struggling to kind of find their way and make their way in life. Hey, at a human level, super dialed in, wealthy, uh, presented themselves well. But on the other hand, at the level of the deepest dimension of the heart, struggling to figure stuff out. Struggling to have a sense of a peaceful, enjoyable relationship with the Lord as part of their lives. Somebody else I talked to. She, again, this is, this is a very successful agent down in Phoenix. Brought up Catholic, but not just no longer Catholic, but has a wound from how she was brought up in her Catholic faith. And she recovered a sense of a sense of uh, a sense of faith in Christ, but not as a Catholic, but as a Bible-believing Christian. And so I was able to at least celebrate with her the fact that she had this sense of a life-giving relationship with Jesus Christ that she nurtured through Scripture and through uh, discipleship, but. Boy, I felt so, I felt that pain in her heart when she talked about uh, Catholic. Okay, the person in charge of the whole event, the president of the organization running the event, her brother is a Benedictine uh, abbot, <laughs> a priest. And so we start talking about Catholic faith. So here's the thing none of these folks. None of these folks lead with a faith-first way of, of talking about their own identity or allowing that aspect of their identity to determine how they're living their lives. God was in the mix to a greater or lesser degree, but what I realized was 
who is in the midst of them helping them to get clear about what really matters or about the one who matters the most, the Lord God, to allow God to take a more prominent place in how they live their lives. Last conversation. I, uh, I mentioned that I, was, I had facilitated some conversations uh, at, uh, at these different tables and had a chance to meet a variety of people. And one of these people, just very successful. Okay, you've, you've heard me say that again and again. But there was a way in which at the, at the sort of the core of her being, she was struggling. She was really struggling. And I, again, I had the, the gift of the opportunity to coach her a bit and helped her to discover that the, the deepest sense that God loved her and that God wanted to pour a love into her that would free her not to settle for less in how she was living her life. Now, I used language with you right now that I didn't use exactly like that right? When I was talking, right? Because you have to be sensitive. I have to be sensitive to like speak to people in a way they can understand, speak to people in a way that they will find uh, able to receive. But let me just say, I didn't hold back and it was welcomed. And uh, the rest of the conference, this woman was calling me her guardian angel. (laughs) This is my guardian angel. And I just thought, wow, what a gift to be able to say, I want to live my life. My brothers and sisters, do you want to live your life well today? Let's allow the perspective of heaven and of the Lord and of that relationship that is most important to be what is at the center of what we make important. And so where do we go if we're going to do that? We go to God in prayer. How do we How do we get there? We have to discern. And I'm still doing that. I'm still discerning. And right now, you can pray for me. I'm discerning whether I am supposed to be investing more time to do more of that coaching and consulting work in the real estate space, really to be a blessing to these luxury agents who might be, again, at the top of their game in many aspects of life in this world, but might be missing out on the soul of it all, the ultimate meaning and purpose of it all. Or, Lord, are you asking me to just shed that, push that aside, and instead invest the time that remains and the the best energies that remains in things that are more clearly and directly focused on my Catholic faith our Catholic faith, and helping Catholics and others who would listen to come alive in faith. That's what I'm left with in my discernment. I don't have answers yet, but I really am praying and discerning. And I would appreciate your prayers very much. Well, there you go. There's my program. I hope and pray that it was a blessing to you. Join me tomorrow for more Sound Insight. God bless your day.